Chris Ryan calling for Alex Simmons. Chris Ryan calling for Alex Simmons. Calling Mr. Simmons. Calling Mr. Simmons. Uh, I'll be How right are you, Alex? What's going on, <laughs> okay. man? I'm okay, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing real good. I just uh, I just finished a new short story that, uh, boy, it was challenging. And, oh. uh, it might fit our topic today. We'll see. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, definitely. Uh, you know, now you got, you know, you got me curious. Hopefully the rest of our, our listeners are, um, we were talking you know, Chris and I always do this. We talk, we talk, we constantly talk. I can't shut us up actually. Uh, <laughs> but you know, obviously part of what we talk about is what we do, you know, in terms of our, our creative pursuits, uh, professionally and otherwise. And, you know, writing is its own particular challenge. I know Chris, you probably have encountered this. I know I have where in the comic book industry, for instance, um, any number of times an illustrator will go to a, um, an editor at some point who has been working on a book or a series for a while and says, Hey, you know, I'd like to write such and such an issue. And sometimes the editors will go, Hey, yeah, yeah. Why not? Let's, why, why don't you take a shot at it? You've been working on it. It's seldom if ever, ever, does a writer go to an editor and go, I'd like to draw you know, the next issue of such and such. And the, and the editor goes, hey, what, why not? You're, you know, you're an artist. You can do it. So I remember uh, we did a uh, script of the Ferguson Files. And the oh, artist, you know, it was, it was for a charity anthology. And the artist got a paying gig. He couldn't do it. And, you know, just trying not to let the anthology down or the people down, you know, I, I, put my hand to it i hadn't i hadn't drawn anything in 20 years and i didn't really get like college level or professional training so when i showed it to you you laughed and laughed, and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i actually just dug that out and i turned it into a prose script uh, uh oh. a prose short story so it exists in a different form now but yeah you know, it's funny because I, I just had um, this year, something about this year, I, I do, uh, for the folks out there who don't know, I am I do not present myself as an illustrator at all, you know, and Blackjack and Racing, uh, Archie and all the other things that I've worked on, Batman and so forth. I don't know. I, I write, and then they get really pro illustrators to take the job on. Um but I do cartooning for my own sake, and I've done it off and on for years. And we see that on for, your social media, you pop stuff up. Yeah, but for whatever reason, this year has been the year of people asking for me to do things art-wise, and it's been very strange. And I'm I'm bringing all this up to lead back to the topic, uh, which is sooner, that sooner or later we're going to tell the damn story, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or make up one anyway. Um, is that each skill? writing and illustrating each skill has its own uh particular caliber of quality and i feel that and i know you've said you know something similar that uh, not only do we need to identify what it is we do well and what we feel we can do professionally but then really look at the elements the components of that particular medium and make sure that we handle those well and so one of the things that I've noticed uh, that I've dealt with some of my students with, and I've also dealt with some of the <clears throat> some of those people that I was talking about a while ago who have taken on writing a story um, in the early stages of their development as writers uh, is dialogue. Uh, a lot of times 
the characters in a story either all sound alike or the character that they're supposed to be, the character that, you know, has this particular background or this ethnicity or this, uh, this attitude or, or, or state of mind, the words don't match the rest of the persona. And so I thought today we might talk about you know, what it takes and your methods, my methods, how do we approach writing more genuine dialogue for the different types of characters that we've worked with? Sure. So I'll let you start off because I just had that long-winded intro. Well, um, I have maybe two or three pieces of advice, advice about how to do um, dialogue. The first thing I will say is, you know, before you write dialogue, write characterization, you know, write your characters. Um, who are they? Uh, I have um, I have answered as many as a hundred questions on my about my characters before I've written scenes with them. You know, um, but, I've seen your list. Yeah, it's longer than hundred. Yeah, it's 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 really long, and I usually use that for main characters in um, novels and that kind of stuff. But for We'll give you a shorthand for each character. You should do the journalist, you know, five W's and the H. Mm. You know, who is this character? What does he or she want? How do they go about getting it? When do they live? Where do they, you know, and then and you know, finish those questions. You know, um, the who, what, where, when, why, and how will give you your beginning insight into the character and then keep asking questions as you, as you're developing your story. Um, you know, you should have a sense of who these characters are, both what they present to the world and what they struggle with inside. You know, there's that great saying, everybody you meet is struggling with something. So be kind to them. Right. Mm. But, that's such a great bit that you can apply to, to writing characters because if everybody's struggling with something, if you know what that is, you know, and then you know whether they're putting up this brave front or they're full of crap or they're kind of in denial, all of that influences the character and then therefore influences how that character speaks, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's my first bit of advice. If you want to go, I have two others. Well, um, I you said speak, so I'll jump off of that. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I talk to my students about, and certainly one of the things that I deal with, is sort of, I guess, in a way, based on the Sherlock Holmes remark about, you know, uh, we should see and observe. You know, so sure. just seeing people or just watching people or just you know, watching people on the street or, or, or maybe in your house or wherever, you know, if you just see them, that's one thing. But if you observe, then you, you pick up on their habits, their tics, their, the clothing they wear, their body language, blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing with dialogue. If you listen, mm -hmm. really listen to people, you pick up on the personality traits and other aspects of them, or you get clues to it based on what they say and how they say it. You, you pick up on some, to some degree, education or certainly whatever they 
are exposing themselves to on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of how the, the word choices they use, um, certainly uh, accents, um, you know, whether or not they're, they're kind of quiet and you can see that they painfully choose each word or if they're just, you know, a fountain uh, with, with no spigot to turn it off. It's just constantly talk, 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 talk. All these things play into the personality that you're, you're observing. Right. And so if you listen to how they speak, then you can also begin to get a sense of, okay, so I have a character who's like this. So when he or she speaks, this is the way they would use the words that I'm going to write to help move along the plot. Right. And, and there are great opportunities for that in everyday life. I mean, we're both teachers. Um, you're in a more specialized school, but I'm in a high school. And between every period, you know, the, the uh, administration would like you to be out in the hallway. You couldn't keep me away from the hallway. I'm out there <laughs> and I'm just listening to what they're talking about. You know, and as you just heard me say listening, you heard me drop the G, you know, that I, I listen for those little things. I listen for cadences. I listen for um, traces of Jamaican accents, Irish accents, New York accents, Southern accents, you know, that uh, uh -huh. that that great Walt Mosley touch. You know, he, he uses the word can't. C-A-I-N apostrophe T for can't. And that one little letter gives you that Southern sound, you know. I just listen, you know, I, I listen to the loud ones. I There used to be this these two female nerds that walked. I don't know, there was a fight. They don't walk together anymore. But when they were walking together, every day was a completely different subject. And they were just enthusiastically debating you know, whether it was the Avengers or uh, uh, um, De uh, Neil deGrasse, uh, um, uh, it didn't make a difference. It was just fantastic to hear. And um, you can do the same thing in malls. You know, when my wife goes, oh, yeah. she goes into some stores and I say, I'm going to stand out here. And she thinks, right. you know, she thinks it's because I hate this store. That's what no, I don't hate it. It's just I would prefer to watch the parade, you know, and see different clothing i love to see mother and daughters walking you know because that dynamic is fascinating and mm -hmm. you know and then you can get just so many story moments and you just put them in you know it's a kind of a an, another version of feeding the muse which was another episode uh but it catalogs you catalog hearing the dialogue right and you, you pitch your ear because i mean i think i think you'll agree with me too we can block out the chatter. Absolutely. You know, you can plug in your headphones and listen to your music, your podcast or whatever. Or even if you don't have headphones, you're riding on a train or a public conveyance of some sort and you don't want to tune into everybody else. And so it's all ambient noise to you. But in the reverse, if you are really trying to pick up on, and this is not about being nosy and getting into everybody else's business. No, it's just listening to the symphony. Right, exactly. Listening for the different parts of the music. And like you said, you pick up on those accents, you pick up on things. And I, I used to say, well, because, you know, sometimes I, I get involved in, in um, working with uh, young people in different situations, sometimes the most not the most advantageous. And they've had a lot of confrontations. And one of the things I talk about, I said, well, you know, if somebody bumps into you, blah, 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 blah. What do you say? And the selection of words that come out of their mouth, I say, so 
that says to me, I may be wrong, but that says to me, you're ready, you know, to, to fight if it comes down. He says, oh yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. I said, well, what if it was an accident? And then sometimes you see them start to like, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is your word choices. So words are very powerful. They sometimes, literally, the first words out of our mouth set up all interaction with anybody we're about to, oh, yeah. you know, we first meet or we're about to have any kind of encounter with. It immediately sets the tone for it. So when we, as writers and you know, artists, listen, as an actor even, as an actor listens for how people talk, so that then when they go to portray that character, they can bring that authenticity to the character. And I think that's what we're looking for here with our work, is bringing that authenticity to the character. Now, you said you had a couple of others, and there's something I want to well, go back yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say as far as authenticity, also watch, be aware of um, using the words of the day, because they age mm. very quickly. Um, I love some of my, my students' phrases, and there's one that's been around for about 10 or 12 years, but I still haven't used it in the story because it will date that story. Um, mm. When they're really... Well, let me ask you a question. You and I are a little older. When you were a kid, <laughs> right? We are. When you were a kid and you were talking, you know, a teenager or whatever, and you were talking to your friend and you wanted to convey to them that you were really sincere about what you were saying, what phrase did you use? I'm for real was one. I'm for real. Okay. Yeah. Um... With, you know, it's funny. I haven't thought about it. Go ahead. What, with me, when we were kids, if we really wanted to be sincere. Seriously, that's another one. Seriously. Okay, and we also used, hey, square business. Ah! Remember that? <laughs> yes. I... hilarious, right? Well, <laughs> my kids use a different phrase, which is exactly the same usage. But they'll look at each other and say, yo, dead ass. <laughs> funny. That funny. Up, but it's a way into dialogue, right? And you, you hear yeah. those things. But square square business sounds laughable now. Yeah. As will dead ass ten years from now. Yeah, you know. So you have to be careful of those. But as far as dialogue is concerned, of course, it's the Stephen King advice and the Elmore Leonard advice. Read, read everything. You know, read those two authors read dickens read shakespeare read everything read today's newspapers read a um a tabloid like the post of the daily news and also a broadsheet like the times or uh washington post and you'll get different cadences because they talk to different people they cover uh -huh. different stories it's pick up pick up pick up some of the hip-hop magazines man you just, you're just and that's a whole nother rhythm and choice of phraseology. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes, you know, for somebody like myself, I'm reading it along with an urban thesaurus. You know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> you know? there's some phrases you know? that we, you know, and it, it goes across the board. The new, you know, the new musicians, the new artists, they, they say things in a different way. Um, right. But that also, you know, you know, it depends on the year you're 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 writing in, right? If, right? if we're writing for this time, we should use that idiom, you know. When we right, when, when we write um, uh, blackjack, I often look up, you know, things or dates or times or sayings or um, 
machines or or, or geographical locations of, of that time of the 30s. So I recently <laughs> picked up um, a book that had like uh, trends or uh, just fashions and all sorts of different things from the 30s. And mm-hmm. I went through that when I'm writing, you know, one of the chances I get to write Blackjack to um, to try and lend some um, credibility to that era. So the same thing goes with dialogue. I'm very, very light on the the slang of the time. But just, I mean, like a, like a powerful seasoning, just a little pinch here and there mm-hmm. will, will give the authenticity. Right. So reading and researching like that. Um, and I have one other thing, which is called, comes straight from Charles Dickens. Now, for the record, my wife Tina is the big Charles Dickens fan. I am not. But as for getting his sound right and all that sort of stuff, um, he did this one thing. Uh, I've mentioned it before. And it can, it is in um, a biography of his or a memoir about him that his daughter wrote. And she said when she was a little kid, she always thought that dad was upstairs with a big party of people. But it was only him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he used to read it out loud in the character. He would exactly. act out the scenes. He would, and just this afternoon, earlier this afternoon, I was reading out the, the story that I, I literally just finished. And every time I stumbled over a line, uh, especially of dialogue, um, I would read it back again. If it still was, nope, then I, if you stumble over it, you, there's probably something wrong with it. Mm. I always tend to look at how can I simplify that, you know, and and nine times out of ten, it's the piece of dialogue is overwritten. And yeah. I, the, the more you can trim out, the more you can simplify and be direct, uh, the more it'll help. Also, um, dialogue is not reality. Fiction is not reality. It's enhanced reality. It's right. super reality, right? So you don't, you know, Robert McKee, enter a scene as late as you can and leave it as early as you can, right? So you don't, you don't do a telephone call. Hi, how you doing? Is Joe here? Hi, Joe, this is Chris. How you been? Good to see you. All of that stuff, you have to cut that stuff out, right? And get to the meat. It's always get to the meat. And, and throw in a little gravy if you can. A little bit of gravy. Yeah, a little you know. bit of gravy. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was going to say that I do very much the same thing. Uh, as you know, I wrote a Sherlock Holmes play uh, years ago. So several Sherlockian things I've done. But I, I wrote a Sherlock Holmes play some years ago, which Sherlock got Holmes produced. Sherlock Holmes in the hands of Othello. That's right. Sherlock, right. And literally, there was the British aristocracy in there. There's Holmes, who's very educated British. Uh, and then there's an American who is over, uh, there's a couple of Americans who are over from the United States and recently, so they still have the Americanized uh, dialogue. And then there's Cockney and there's a couple of, and I literally spent months immersing myself in films, uh, recordings, um, some people I know who are actually from there, you know, to tune my ear to when I as you did, when I spoke the lines as a character, to really try and get into that character, really trying to hear how he or she might speak, right? 
to get the lines as close as I could. And then once I had written this to, you know, in a, in a tim timid sort of fashion to hand it off to people who I respect and trust, who the material, you know, you know who, who are from England or who know that aristocracy, uh, the tone of the aristocracy, or who know these, you know, this is the, the other thing you do, whether it's Sherlock Holmes in British or another country, or if it's, you know, youth versus the old dude writing it, or if it's from a particular part of town, is you find people who are familiar with that language, that tone, that's that lifestyle, and run it by them. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't, if you can't get next to those people, then at least somehow immerse yourself in that world. Yeah. Hear the, the the authenticity of that world, and then try and match up your material to it. Because I, uh, again, I'm sorry. Just I'm going to say just again, the 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 obvious goal that we have is to write the best damn story we can oh, yeah. and to have the audience really get pulled into that world, whatever it may be. And if all of our characters sound is the same, and if, if what we're writing isn't authentic, then our audience goes, nah, I'm not having it. And, and we lose. Yeah. I had a great experience with that where I, you know, I didn't have experts. I mean, I, I was re writing genius high, the novel and mm -hmm. uh, all right, you, I work in a high school. It should be, but I, it wasn't about high school expertise. I needed um, an expert in YA because it was really a YA mm -hmm. genre, right? Um, YA, just, by the way, folks, is, is young adult. Right. Just so that you know, that's the age range is theoretically perceived in the business as from 13 to 18. Right. Um, and I, you know, it, it was weird to ask students to read it and this and that. But one of the English teachers, she reads about 20 YA books a year, you know, to keep current with what she recommends to students and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. said, wow, she's really well versed in the genre. So I asked her if she would read it. And um, she told me some other, some smaller things of this and that. But there was this one point where um, I had a whole subplot going on from the administration's point of view right and she uh -huh. went, and she was trying to convince me that it was no one would care about that <laughs> so she you know the kids were coming in for homeroom just as we were finishing up the conversation and she goes you know steve mac jenny mary whatever their names were how much how often do you think about what's going on with the administration it all went we don't care. <laughs> was one of the greatest lessons about that book. And that was about, it was about 30 or 40 pages of stuff that I just took out and put in the extra file and we never saw it again. You know, oh, God. Oh, you have an extra file as opposed to an X file. Okay. Always, whenever you're writing something, have, um, you know, the, you know, say Genius High, then I would have Genius High or Extras Genius High and anything that I liked but I thought wasn't serving the story, I would cut and paste into the extras file so I know I could always go back if I miss it. Hmm. You almost never go back. 99% of the time, you don't go back. But, you know, so in that case with the genius high thing, having that perspective of actual high school students 
cut out an entire section, dialogue and all, that they wouldn't care about. And that's right. the Elmore Leonard uh, part. Don't write the parts people skip over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, you know, again, what we're talking about here, folks, is, you know, is, is genuine dialogue. And it, I'm going to say it this way. You know, I when I'm talking to my students, I, I sort of expound on it a little bit more. But, you know, for the sake of this broadcast, I will simply say, if you don't care whether or not your characters sound genuine, if, if you don't care whether or not they say the right words the right way, then you really aren't trying to, to give your best. You're really not trying to serve the story. You're, you're writing for yourself, which is fine. Some of us do that. But if you're trying to write a story for an audience and you want that audience to really become engaged and, 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 and passionate about finishing this story, like, God, I want to write along this with this character, then you need to write the story in a way that every word that your characters say sound genuine to them or yeah. them. You know? If you don't it, care or your characters don't care, your audience definitely won't care and they won't read it. That's right. And that's, that's a loss. That's, that's a loss of time and effort you know, for all concerned. Um, I don't know. Did you want to say anything more about this, Chris? Because I, I, uh, no, I just, you know, um, I, I just finished writing a story where uh, it's all in, all, all in present tense, which was a challenge for me. Uh-huh. But they were in two time frames. Like it was present tense, beginning of a romance, and then intercut with that was the horrible end of the romance ah so you saw the uh um, optimism and the love blooming and then you would you would see how the world would not allow these two to be in love and i had to work so that these two would not seem hardened in the in the blooming part of the, you know, mm. Florian and their dialogue. And I found one person, one half of the relationship only got to say one thing in the ending uh, that was cut throughout. I had to write them separately. So I get the dialogue and the tone, right? Mm. What you have mixed together is the bloom and the ravaging, fighting, kind of contrasting and knocking into each, uh, each other throughout the story. And I could not write them together. I couldn't. You, you know, could not was, alternate back and forth between I, the two. No. So you have to be true to the moment and the beat of, of the scene to get the dialogue to have the correct tone you know and it's about being true to the moment when when you hear tone and you hear uh the beats all that stuff that sounds technical and it sounds like it's hard to do it's about the heart if you go to the heart of the scene the moment the true authentic emotion of the scene all the other stuff all the technical stuff can happen sometimes you have to write it separately and and, and take it apart to get it you know that's 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 
along the lines of what I was just about to say to back up what you were saying is I sometimes would say to people, you know, to my students or even to myself, reminding myself, okay, I know where I want this conversation to go. I know what the emotions are, the characters at this time. Just write it, write it, get it out onto paper, or in this case, the digital world, get it onto the computer, the screen, whatever. So you've got a beginning, middle and end. Then go back Mm-hmm. And begin to, you know, what you want to call sculpt right. the dialogue properly so that, again, the right ch- word choices are made, the accents or whatever else that would color their dialogue, you, you apply it. Sometimes, you know, especially if it's a dialogue or an accent or uh, a, a series of word choices that we don't normally use in our everyday life and we're not normally exposed to. We don't necessarily know how that's going to sound in a heated dialogue or even a, a somewhat uh, officious uh, conversation. So get the conversation out, write what is happening and what people are saying, but then go back and say, okay, I've got the basics in there. Now let me do the work. Because that's like one of the, the things I did with the Holmes play was sometimes I wrote certain scenes from the emotional standpoint. I knew that there's a love sequence in there. I shouldn't say sequence. There's a, um, a love story within the mystery. And there's dialogue that I wanted these two characters to say to express what was going on between them. But again, one is an American, one is, is British. And there are word choices that I knew mm-hmm. had to be made. And I didn't want to worry about not having those words at the tip of my tongue when I was writing the scene. So you write the scene, get it out, and then go back and do the, the, the selection of the proper words to, to really pull off the scene and to, again, make that dialogue a, a sound authentic. It's Einstein, right? 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration, right? There you go. You get and, the writing and, and then- Right guard the won't rewriting. help with that. Nope. Yes. You, you gotta do the, <laughs> the, the moment, you write the emotion, and then rewriting is the secret. There you go. Yeah. Okay, and, and on that note, I'd say that, you know, uh, I think we've offered, uh, I hope, what you will find is a, a useful series of tips on uh, approaching writing genuine dialogue for your characters. You know, you want those scenes engaging, you got to do that kind of work. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions or, or, you know, even you disagree with this, you know, that's fine, but let's hear from you. Oh, and yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Let's hear from you. Let's keep, let's keep the conversation going. Okay, so... Uh, until next time I want to say you know from Chris Ryan and Alex Simmons that's me um, thank you and once again join us next time for Chris tell the damn story there you go take care buddy I'll talk to you soon man